welcome to the show travel conversations by the rustic travel podcast this is a show where we will try to recreate those best moments we all have experienced while traveling which is meeting new people and hearing about the stories and experiences in each episode we will have a guest traveler with the most interesting story and travel experience today's guest is minakshi garodia I've always traveled. My family were very big travelers. I love food and when I'm traveling food is a very big part of it. So my show is called Veg Around the World and what I do with the show is in every episode and I've got like 12 or 13, I take one country and I make a complete vegetarian meal from that country. The world has become so globalized since 1400s when there was started so much travel started happening and all these different vegetables dispersed all over the world. You have that in Greece, in India, in Mexico. Those flavors are very tasty. Mexico, there was a big variety of food, more so than Colombia. This was near Lake Como in Italy. I guess my food and travels. You are quite a bit what your parents make you. I guess food, travel. You obviously you take it and you make it your own. Minakshi is a passionate traveler and a foodie, a vegetarian. Is it difficult to be all three? especially when veg food is difficult to come by in many places around the world not at all minakshi has gone ahead and not only discovered the best places to eat and the different veg cuisines but also brought all those recipes back home and made it into a show veg around the world someone who knew nothing about cooking before moving to the us two decades ago she is now an expert in the culinary arts a business graduate from the prestigious IIM Bangalore blogger ceramic artist photographer and a budding filmmaker minakshi is truly multifaceted in this episode we will travel with her to various countries around the world discovering yummy local vegetarian food getting to know some cooking tips experiencing her adventures and more I'm your host Hemant Soring along with your co-host Rajesh Nair and our producer Tanvij Jain. Hi Minakshi, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Hi Minakshi, a very good Hello. morning to you. For me it's morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Minakshi, let's start with like about yourself and your passion for traveling, your passion for or rather you know your passion for veg food. How did it all start? For me I've always traveled. My family were very big travelers and we traveled like we lived in Delhi. We had a car. And any given weekend we would be like, "Okay, let's go to Shimla, let's go to Chell, like just get in the car the whole family and drive somewhere and make some reservation and just travel." And my mom was from Bombay, so we used to go to Bombay every summer to meet her family. So, within India we traveled a lot. I hadn't left India till I was in my 20s. but there's always been a concept of travel is easy you just make do adjust and just go everywhere and i'm from a pretty large family we have five sisters and my parents and my dad's been to i don't know how 40 50 countries he's traveled a lot now but he'd also never really traveled till late 70s and then 90s when the country opened up and vegetarian wise i'm from a marwadi family we traditionally vegetarian and i grew up vegetarian i eat egg but that's about it but we're super big foodies Our life is pretty much like we'll every meal we finish it and we'll be planning the next meal on all our vacations. Like okay, we've eaten here now. What is the next place we're going to eat? So food's been a very big part of our life. So 
growing up, my mom was a very adventurous cook. Or rather, like, you know, you had Tarla Dalal's cuisines. And she had these three books. And my mom went through every page of every book and tried every recipe and made notes. So that all of us get bored easily. So we all wanted variety. And most people in India who grew up, especially my generation, would typically have Indian food every day, right? You would have it twice a meal. For us, that was not true. We had pav bhaji, we had pizza, we had baked dish, we had baked potatoes, we had Gujarati, we had South Indian, like every Sunday was South Indian. Like there was always something unusual on a regular basis, not just with guests, just for ourselves. There was a very, very big variety of food growing up. So all of us have always eaten like a big variety of food. And I guess my food and travels, you are quite a bit what your parents make you, I guess. Food, travel, you obviously you take it and you make it your own. And, and you do shows on YouTube also, right, Vinakshi? So I moved to the US in 2000. And that time, vegetarianism, veganism, it really wasn't what it is now. Like today's world, any given place, you'll find a lot of vegetarians. But that wasn't the case in 2000. And people would just say, you're a vegetarian. What do you eat? Salad. And I was like, it irritated me a little bit because I've been to so many countries and the food is so good everywhere. So at one point I was like, I'll show you what vegetarian food is. So my show is called Veg Around the World. And what I do with the show is in every episode, and I've got like 12 or 13, I take one country and I make a complete vegetarian meal from that country. And I modify it because most of them were meat-based. But I also take shortcuts. Like sometimes I'll use canned food and this and that so that the time in the kitchen is not too much. But the taste is good. I like your tagline, uh, Meenakshi. Simple recipes and authentic taste, right? Thank you. That's like (laughs) the marketing aspect of my life coming out. And the way, uh, Meenakshi, I I mean, I went through your YouTube videos. I like the way where you gave you know, a little history about the food also. Like cheese fondue, right, in Switzerland. Yeah. Hawaii, the name. The Iranian Zoroastrian and uh, Baha'i food. And apart from the food, you talk about how that food came into being and how it has evolved now. Thank you. For me, I think food is not just the taste. It's, it's a culmination of history and culture and experience. I think the like, for example, you take the same dish, you serve it in plastic and you eat it with a plastic fork in a rushed way. And you serve the same food in a nice plate, play some nice music, have good company, good wine. And it will taste totally different. Also, you should be hungry whenever you eat. That's like the best spice. But for me, all these places in every culture, the food is really important because it defines a family, right? Like Maslow's needs or whatever. Food is such a basic part of everybody's life. That's what keeps us going. And most people like their childhood food. One time I came across somebody, I was like, what's your favorite childhood food? And she was like, I have none. It was really bad food. But most people have like what you grow up with culturally. That's what your taste buds crave, end of the day. That's so true, Minakshi. So as they say, you know, traveling is the food for the soul. Or, you know, somebody also said once, people will travel anywhere for good food. It's crazy. So is it how you travel? No, not really. I love food. And when I'm traveling, food is a very big part of it. But it's also about country. I'm not one of those people who like to just go and chill in a hotel or sit on a beach. Though I do like to, sometimes when I go to like beaches or Caribbean places, then you just go and sit on a beach. There's not much to do. But 
otherwise when i go to a country i want to see the museums i want to see the sites i want to like explore the place i'm not just going there you know there's a term called dhokhana which is like you're just going there to say oh i went to this country or oh, i stopped off here i don't believe in that i believe in actually learning all about the place and the culture and the history and traveling and always get guides wherever i go because i feel what you can get out of books versus what a guide can tell you are very different whenever i travel food is a big part of it and i will thoroughly research where to go what to do and you look up online happy cow yelp i love it Tra- trip advisor is actually very good trip advisor restaurant recommendations are pretty spot on but you have to see a certain number of reviews how many stars you have to read a little bit i do all that before i go to restaurants and you always ask the concierge but especially for vegetarian food if you ask somebody who's not vegetarian the vegetarian food in that place may or may not be good but you know end of the day i can survive on bread and cheese so i never have a problem anywhere i go so what are your favorite ones i mean i know it's a, a small question but there's a long answer for it what are your top picks with respect to you know places and experiences you okay just off the top of my head so let's uh, i'll let me talk different continents so continent wise like if you're talking about asia other than india food singapore the food court in singapore amazing red ruby and there was i ate it one time and i only got two bites because the place had run out and they just had one dish and there were six of us it was a turnip omelet and i can't i'm like dying to eat it again so i went to burma myanmar when it was opening up maybe like close to 8 years ago and that was what asia was probably 40 years ago so it was a very different experience from anything else i've experienced it was beautiful untouched almost ruralish but to be honest i'm one of those people like even in sri lanka and even in myanmar i couldn't get the violence out of my head so when i was in these beautiful places and enjoying it i would think about the suffering of the people sometimes which is a little bit of a downer but like you know that was the history but myanmar was beautiful and there was this one place where it was a lake thing all the hotel everything was in the lake and then we saw the lotus weaving they would use the thread from the lotus stem and make scarves it was gorgeous so that's asia i haven't been to australia i've been to many other countries in asia but just talking about these europe denmark i stayed with a friend so that was a very different experience of country that was the first time i was staying with a friend for the whole time my sister lives in paris so that again i go to paris like pre pandemic i was going to paris almost once a year in terms of beauty iceland the natural beauty of iceland we spent 9 days and we drove literally circumference the whole iceland me and one of my sisters and another sister was there for a bit and the natural beauty of iceland i think is the best natural beauty i've ever seen anywhere in the whole world and every part of the island was totally different and there's one part you feel like you're on mars it's not just the volcanic mud pools but the landscape feels like that scorched earth look what was interesting was i had bread in the north there's a lot of volcanic activities and all these kind of pools in the north so they make bread and then they bury it in the earth and it cooks with the volcanic heat and then you eat it it was very tasty the idea was probably tasty than the bread but it was still very exciting did it taste earthy <laughs> very early i mean kya malum right you know you're like you just excited with the idea of eating bread baked in the earth <laughs> one time my sister and i we were just the both of us 
and we love taking photos and i love taking photos like i'm typically like the family photographer when we all all the trips i'm the one taking all the photos and there's a lot of like oh do we need to stop again do you want us to take photos again why do you want to you know a lot of that happens if you guys take photos you probably have family members who say that to you but my younger sister and i we both love taking photos so and i was driving and she didn't mind so we would just keep pulling over to take photos every time we saw a nice scenery in iceland we would just pull over and one time i just pulled over except i pulled over in quicksand and the car started sinking it it looked like the road and then and there was like two three people stopped and they were trying but we weren't getting anywhere and then these two people from iceland came and they were like ah oh, you tourists and then they actually had towing rope in their car because they were so used to the tourists stopping at this particular spot and then they pulled towed the car out and then in iceland only we stayed in so we stayed in a lot of what are they called shared hostels so you got private rooms but sometimes you got private bathrooms or you had shared bathrooms but it was a hostel and this one hostel we stayed in was gorgeous it was this farmhouse that had been renovated and it was a co-op hostel like you had four or five people owning it and they were like carpenters and all and they wanted to make it into a yoga studio kind of like worldwide yoga retreat place beautiful areas so i was chatting with these people they're like this is a very nice place and we're hoping the vibrations will change because turned out it used to be owned by this guy and like the greek story he would kill all the passengers who came and take all their stuff and iceland was so isolated that he wouldn't get caught so we i was staying in the house of a serial killer ancient serial killer again you have so many different types of holidays right so everybody has different holidays i mean the same person me sometimes you'll do beach holidays sometimes you'll go within the us sometimes you'll go hiking sometimes you'll go for a fancy like just about food and that kind of holiday but in terms of natural beauty i found iceland the prettiest and yellowstone in the us yellowstone was very nice but then places like scotland were gorgeous too and croatia again if you just go to dubrovnik which it's more touristy but there was this one area in croatia where you have multiple lakes on different levels and the lakes are flowing into each other almost like waterfalls but it's really slow so you have vegetations around it so it's like this beautiful like it's like really beautiful and then croatia it's written s p l i t but it's not pronounced split it's pronounced split but you had the first roman emperor who retired he said look i'm done being emperor it's been 20 years like i'm done and he retired and he was a guy who'd come up and he built the palace there like the fort there and then it's really interesting if you're driving down croatia at one point you have to cross go into bosnia drive in bosnia for a couple of hours and then cross out into croatia again that's the only way to go and as it happened it was my birthday that day when we were driving through so then we stopped and had a birthday lunch in bosnia it looked the same but it was very exciting canada different parts are so like i went to prince edward islands where you have anne of green gables then i went to ontario and there's a lake of a thousand islands and that was one of the most unusual places i've seen it's a huge lake and in the lake you have small small islands like one would be just big enough to be a house and it would have a house on it because it's a lake there are no waves and no storms so they could they can build all these islands on it and it's crazy you're driving around and it's like there's just a house popping out of nowhere all around you it's sort of like speed boating between houses and then mexico i've been like four or five times different places but one time we did a driving tour of the yucatan peninsula with all the 
Mayan pyramids, and that was very, very interesting. I've been to a lot of Caribbean islands. I've been to Panama. The Swiss Canal, the Panama Canal, sorry, not the Swiss Canal, the Panama Canal was super exciting. We actually waited and saw all of that happening. That was really exciting to see. Like the ships going up and going down. And, and then Colombia, again, was very, very... I went to Colombia in 18. And we went to like, again, when we go to all these countries, we go to like four or five different places in a country, if we can. Typically, it's not just one city. But in a city, it's never one day. It's always a couple of days. We'll always plan the trip such that you get to go to a bunch of places and really get a feel of the country. Colombia was gorgeous. Most people just go to Cartagena, which is almost like a tourist beach town. It's got history, but the other places were different. And we went to this one coffee plantation in the middle of the mountains, close to Medellin, and stayed there for three days. And we were just hiking and drinking coffee and eating. And pretty much all I ate there was beans and rice and plantain, because it's very meat heavy, but it is still very tasty. How was the food in uh, South America, say Mexico for that, for that matter? Do you think it was very close to what you know Indian food is? It's not close to Indian food. You do have similar spices, but the way they cook it and the flavors are very different. So you have beans, so like rajma. A lot of their beans taste close to rajma, kidney beans. But the flavors and all are different. There's a lot of rice, beans. They do, do a lot of cilantro, cumin, chili. Like we got chili from South America, right? The Portuguese got the chili and tomatoes. They're not native to India. And aloo also, like potatoes. All of these are not native to India. It's also the flavor of corn. And actually the way they make corn in Mexico, it's crazy because each family would dry the corn out and they would manually like crush it and cook it. So the woman was literally cooking for like four or five hours a day. And traditionally, when in one of these trips, they did make us try food which is made like this. And corn tortillas taste very different from flour tortillas. And most people don't have that authentic taste. But Mexico, there was a big variety of food, more so than Colombia. Maybe because they have more tourists and they're more adept, they've adapted better. And what I find is in South America and in a lot of these places, you know, they'll be cooking bean and they'll throw in a piece of pork. You know, like the, it was like nice and vegetarian and suddenly it's not. But apparently the flavor of pork or lard really enhances the food. Like very often refried beans and all are cooked in lard. So when I go to restaurants, I'm always checking. I was like, do you use lard? They're like, oh yeah, we do. And I'm like, that's not vegetarian anymore. Another interesting fact I just remembered. So, you know, Mexico is all about chocolate. So traditionally, chocolate was only eaten by the priests and all that. But the way it was eaten is a little bit gross. They would take the strongest warriors, bleed them, like cut it, take out the blood, put the chocolate in it and drink it. Like bloody chocolate. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Wow. And this is uh, this has come from the Mayans, right? I, actually, the Mayan so, culture is really bloody. So they had this one game, which is in between soccer and what was that iron game, putkai, whatever, where you used to throw things with your foot and do the sack thing. What's that called? Sepet, sepet takro. It is that game that came from Mexico. So they would play football, but you could only kick it. It couldn't touch the ground. And then they had three or four things like Harry Potter's Kidditch. And you had to throw it in that, but the winning team in the whole tournament would then be sacrificed to the gods. Oh. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. So you have, you, you, have, you need to try to lose the game, is it? I don't know what the scene was, whether you win or you don't win, or like maybe their families got compensated and one of those like, I'll die, but my family is okay. So uh, 
those. In Europe, for example, or even many, like South America, you mentioned about meat, right? A pork thrown in uh, in the middle of a vegetarian dish. Being a vegetarian, how difficult you know, has it been to find places where you find you know, pure veg food? I mean, do you have any such stories? For me, traveling has been easy because I'm not very fussy. As long as it's vegetarian and typically doesn't have celery, that's like one hate. But I can pretty much eat anything. And the experience is good enough. Like, I want good food. But if I don't get good food and I get some food, that's good enough. Also, when we were kids, we used to make so much fun of our parents because when we would travel, we would always have a small food bag. It would be like, you know, the strolly side of bag full of food. There would be bhujia, there would be teplas, there would be like achar, there would be like some mithai. Like, you know, you would just have a bunch of things and we would really like make fun of our parents. But when the food bag was opened, everybody would charge. So typically I carry at least one bag of some Indian namkeen with me. Just a little bit. So if you're dying of hunger, you have something tasty. Or, okay, this is really funny. So we're going to Italy. We're staying in an olive farm. It's really fantastic. Like it's, it's an Airbnb, it's just our family. And it's Italy, right? And then what do we pull out? Maggie noodles. <laughs> we carried Maggie noodles from India. So we were fam- some family from India, from US and Europe. We were like from different, different parts of the world. We all collected in Italy. We are sitting, and my brother-in-law who's French, he's like, OMG, Maggie. Like you guys want to eat Maggie out here? We're like, you don't need to eat. And we made it and he took like three helpings. We were like, now what happened? I mean, we, I carry Maggie's. If, if it's longer trips, we'll carry stuff. If it's like a day or two, then you just manage. But for longer trips, it's okay to carry a little food, you know. And my personal advice, like I travel with my kid a lot. And I never, I've never ordered baby food for him. He's always, since he was a kid, eaten what I've eaten. I've never just ordered bland pasta food or whatever. Like in the US, everybody just orders pasta and butter or pasta and red sauce. I don't think he knew what that tasted like till he grew up. Because I want him to eat what I eat and enjoy what I enjoy. And thankfully, he's like got the best palate. So he enjoys everything too. And with kids also, you know, just as soon as if the food is hygienic, just feed it to them. For 10 days, if they don't eat nutritious food, they'll be just fine. It won't be a problem. They're living on bread and cheese. But the experience they have when they're seeing everything and traveling everywhere, it's worth it. Right. What about uh, places like uh, Europe, especially places like Russia? How was... Vegetarian food there. Russia was a bit of a challenge overall in life. First of all, my kid was barely, he was one and a half, not even two. And they did not have any elevators and escalators. So you were literally carrying the child and the stroller up and down stairs. And there were stairs everywhere. In terms of food, we pretty much ate potatoes, mushrooms and bread. Sometimes we ate in some really good restaurants. There was one, I remember there was a Georgian restaurant which had like the best food. And the best vodka, like we call Chacha. It's a Georgian vodka, in case you guys like vodka. It's a good one to check out. But it was potatoes, mushrooms. And like, if you see my Veg Around the World Russia episode, it's potatoes, mushrooms, and beetroot, a lot of beetroot. And I made vegetarian borscht, but typically you won't get that vegetarian because there's a lot of meat in it. Actually, that's not true. Nowadays they make vegetarian. But my interesting story with this is, so... When I'm doing my show, typically I tend to also find a person from that country in Boston and I'll make them taste all my food and get their feedback just to make sure it's actually authentic. And I have a very close Russian friend and I made her taste this. And personally, I can eat a little bit of borscht, but 
you know, you, you practiced a lot before the show also, right? I had a lot of bosh and my kid didn't love it. So I gave it to her. Her husband couldn't tell that she hadn't made it. I was like, all right, that's good. So a lot of beetroot, mushroom. So Russia has a very interesting culture around mushroom. A lot of Russians as a family activity will go foraging in the forest for mushrooms. It's a family activity. They do that, which is also kind of scary. Another interesting fact, do you know what mushroom called in Hindi? I'm not sure you should add this in the podcast, but I'll tell you anyway. Kukri, right? I don't know that name. There are two names I know. One is Gucci. And actually okay. in the Himalayas and Himachal Pradesh, you get very good mushroom achar if you guys ever go there. Okay. Second name for mushrooms is Kukurmutta. And I should let you guess what that means. Dog. Dog, dog peed. <laughs> because that's where they grew, where the dog peed. Don't add that, but it's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, that is very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and Binakshi, your friends, they, they love Indian vegetarian food. Let me put it this way. Nobody ever says no to coming over. <laughs> yeah, they do. Most, most people like Indian food. Most people. So I don't get meat in my house. Even though my kid eats a lot of meat, I don't get it in my house. And nobody misses it when they come over with the food and all, whatever. And I don't always just cook Indian when friends are coming over. I'll cook like... Actually, I cook a lot of Korean food. Even though I haven't been to Korea and I'm dying to go. Because I had a whole Korean phase for three years. Where I was just watching Korean TVs and shows. And I can pretty much like, I speak a little Korean at this point. I'd done the show before this phase happened. But Korean food is one of the easiest to make and tastiest. Like, so good. So what is the kind of food, Korean food? So, Korea has a very interesting history with food. Because they were starved. As a country, they were occupied first by the Chinese and the Japanese. And there was a lot of food deprivation. So Korean culture, there's a lot around food all the time. Like people will always be eating, hanging out around food. And that that came from the cultural deprivation. And for example, rice. Rice was a delicacy and people couldn't afford it. One of my friends, he gave a talk on Parasite. I don't know if you guys saw the movie. And they showed the family eating bread. And he said... Showing that they're eating bread and they can't afford rice is an economic thing that they're showing. So Korean ferment all the food. They take a lot of their vegetables and they ferment it with chili. And they let it sit for a long, a long time. It's not just kimchi, which is napa cabbage. But they'll do it with anything you can think of. With cucumber, with spinach. They, they'll make banchan. It's like the small dishes called banchan. And then you'll have rice and very often you'll have soup or you'll have some meat and it's communal eating. Typically you'll have stuff in the middle. They don't have the concept of chuta. They'll just take the spoon and everybody will dip into the same soup bowls and all that. There's some tofu, a lot of pork, a lot of beef, like good beef, which is very expensive. So if people are having a good treat, it's always like, are you going to feed me beef? A lot of ramen. I'm pretty ramen obsessed at this point. I'm making that. I've made like five different types of ramen at home. Maybe I'll do, an, I'll do a show and just make some ramen. There's some good people on YouTube making really good ramen. Soup, noodles, really tasty. Like, so the trick with Asian food is basically to sesame oil. If you use sesame oil and soy, especially sesame oil, it just changes the flavor of everything Asian. So did you find any... Obviously, there's a lot of you know, differences between foods across continents. Forget continents, between countries and all that. What were the similarities you found? One of the things that you find everywhere in the world is fried dough. In fried dough is there in every culture. It's there in Mexico. It's there in Middle East. It's there in America, in North America. It's there in Europe. It's there in India. It's there in Asia. Sweetened fried dough as a dessert. 
also otherwise fried dough like bhatura and all that most places have a concept of some sort of bread it's always like you know it did develop into vegetables and carb most places have that but that's also because typically carbs are cheaper right and they're filling and they create energy and most people had to they traditionally people just ate enough to sustain their lifestyle so apparently the reasons humans developed is that they learned to cook and when cook you predigest the food that's why animals spend so many hours eating because they don't have the predigestion over time everybody cultivated and started cooking more and more and for food while there are similarities you'll have the world has become so globalized since 1400s when there was started so much travel started happening and all these different vegetables dispersed all over the world like we discussed earlier about the things that we think are very indian but which are not like potatoes and tomatoes and chili like that they've gone all over the world right but it's the spices that really define what the flavor would be and i find the spices in different parts of the country are very different from each other obviously countries close to each other the food tends to taste similar and it's because of the spices but what's shocking to me is how bland a lot of the food is in different parts of the world and how so many people like bland food and they've never had spices and they don't even want to try that's true so in my trips to goa i learned about the story about uh, so they they have this goan there's this goan dish called chicken kafriya or kafriya it could be mm-hmm. veg kafriya as well so apparently when portuguese were coming to india after vasco da gama had been there and they started to attack india conquer parts of mm-hmm. goa itself so they brought a lot of slaves from africa mainly from mozambique that was a mm-hmm. colony portuguese colony now in the ship the captains the portuguese captains asked the slaves to make a chicken dish so these guys they mishmash some spices which they had which used to come from india at the time they added their own recipe from their african heritage and added some bit of portuguese things and thus was born chicken kafriya so a mishmash of you know almost three cultures so this is an amazing story and the dish i don't know they eaten that in goa which is a veg part of it it's really spicy and really really you know tasty so do you have such uh, have you uh, you know discovered such dishes which is sort of uh, you know fusion of different cultures one i discovered and it's similar to this but that i've eaten in boston it was an on my travels it's something called roti and it's island food from guiana and it's also there in the island countries like mauritius and all in mauritius you had dhol puri but basically what they do is you know the dal ki puri we have which is like moong dal stuffed parathas now in india typically they're like this big what they do is around this big like a rumali roti size and it's stuffed it's thin but it's got a stuff layer and then they fill it with like some 10 different types of greens collard greens and beans and rice and meat if you want and i do the vegetarian version and they make a sort of burrito which is looks like a burrito but tastes island africa india it's called rotis and there's a place in boston called ali's roti very tasty but any place that again in the in in the us in the us south and i did a show on that called us south gumbo for example like a lot of the southern food is a mix of slave as well as american as well as french as well as especially i've never been to new orleans but the food there is supposed to be very much like that okay quiz time for you guys what is the only country that has had no outside influence of food because it was never colonized in asia i'll give you a hint nepal nepal no thailand 
Okay. Thailand was never occupied. So those Thai food is the most authentic food. Like for example, Vietnamese food has a very strong French influence to it, mm. but Thai doesn't. And one more thing, Minakshi, the staple food now in India is rice, wheat. If you yeah. go to Kerala, it is tapioca. Some places it is potato. So how is it, you know, given your experience throughout the world? What do they have for carbs? This point in the world, you have flour. So typically, it's either wheat flour, or in the Russian areas and all, it's rye flour. In Southern America, it's corn corn flour. and asia it's rice so i found to these four to be the main i started bread baking recently a little bit with rye flour it was interesting it's very dense so you can eat small bits but i prefer it toasted with butter and the moroccan oh. food minachi so again i'm not being proco but you've done an episode on i did so all my episodes aren't places that i've been to but okay. they definitely so there are some very good moroccan restaurants in boston so i used to go there so then i wanted to recreate it and i think moroccan food it's a mix of spanish and arab and african there's a big arab influence like there's a lot of saffron in moroccan food and couscous i'm actually not sure exactly what grain couscous is i can't remember but making good couscous it's not just boiling it to boil it just right for the right amount of water and fluff it it is very different for example anything around the mediterranean you'll find mint it's very mint heavy the cuisine and at one point i wasn't crazy about dill but like greece and russia everything is dill heavy the real actual food in greece and italy actually is really really tasty especially the you know greek salad it's simple to make and i have that in my recipe when i came back from greece i did my episode and i made seven dishes in an hour it was i just went a little crazy with that but the greek salad it's easy to make we were eating it every day twice a day with every meal and nobody got tired of it it was that tasty and italy The food is different in different parts. I've been to Italy some three or four times, different trips, different parts, and I can never get sick of the traditional, real Italian pizza. I could literally eat that for every meal for the rest of my life, and I'll be fine. If you guys haven't made or tried the Greek dish tzatziki, and you can follow my recipe on that, I can send it to you if you don't have it. But that tzatziki is like to die for. It's cucumber, yogurt, dill, garlic. lemon salt i think i've had that and i remember one egg plant dish which i had in greece which tasted very much like bagel ka bharta somehow yeah, yeah. So, it, it was heavenly they probably had onions and tomatoes so in greece they do onions and tomatoes with egg plants the trick behind a lot of good food is to cook it enough with some cooked foods you don't want to cook it enough but something like tomato or egg plant almost cooked to the point of almost like two steps below burnt that's when the flavor is the best like i have this concept about tomato the best way to have a tomato is to dehydrate it that brings out the flavor and then if you want it liquidy you rehydrate it after you've dehydrated it so even if i'm making indian food or pasta or whatever i always dehydrate it to the point of almost just one step away from burnt and like i have a very simple pasta recipe but my italian friends kids love it so i'm like for me that's a high compliment so one is food and the recipes another is uh, you know the culture around having food obviously there a lot of this for example there's a lot of communal eating happening in let's say you know a lot of arab countries or north africa or I mean, india has a different way of uh, how culturally food is had 
So uh, have you noticed this across, you know, across continents, across countries, how they really eat food and, you know, how they have it, what utensils they do it, is there any ritual around it, things like that. Definitely. Like in Asian countries, I feel life is more centered around food. Asians and I told you, right, in Mexico, they were spending hours and hours preparing it. Just thinking about it, hygiene around food is very different in different countries. Like in India, there's such a concept of, like people used to eat in banana leaves. You never eat from the same utensils. You'll eat with your hands and wash. You don't really share food in India. You share food in a bigger sense, but you won't eat off the same plate. And actually, it's a good concept to have because especially after COVID, I wonder, like, you know, in Eid, I, I forget the term, I think it's when you break... Iftar, Iftar. sorry. In Iftar, you always have a huge bowl and everybody's eating out of it. Like one of my favorite cuisines, and I've not been there, but to eat, it's like one of my absolute favorite is Ethiopian. And typically, you have four people and they put one anjira, which is the bread on the plate, and they'll put all the food and then you eat it like roti chawal. And actually, the rest, uh, spices are similar. And you, they don't even give you forks. You just break it and eat it like the Indian style. And everybody's eating off the same plate. But I guess in those cultures, there was no concept of the bacteria and all didn't matter to them. Or they didn't think about it. In the Middle East, in Korea, in like a lot of these places, you're all sharing from a big pot. But I wonder if that came from food deprivation again. Scarcity of food and therefore people started eating it like that. To make sure everybody can see what other people are eating and you're getting the same quantities. That being said, in any country and every culture, it's individual families. It's how the family feels about food and their attitudes. Like I have Americans and Danish and French. And the whole concept of cooking together, eating together, thinking about food really matters to them. And they spend a lot of time on it. But then I also know Indians who are like, yeah, anything will do. So I think it's a very personal, subjective thing. It's not, while some cultures are more food centric, it's not always true. But one of my pet peeves in life is it really bothers me that only women are expected to be in the kitchen and cook a lot. And places like India and Korea, for example, there are so many dishes. It's not like you're making the one dish. So a lot of the women spend a lot of their time in the kitchen. And I hate the analogy that if you love somebody, you need to cook for them. <laughs> Even though I love my kid and I cook for him and I cook for a lot of my friends and all that too. And I don't mind cooking, but I don't particularly like the concept that it's a woman's job, which is very often it is in most households, in most places around the world. And, and the fact that, especially in India, uh, where the women in most of the households, especially in rural, forget rural, urban as well, they make the uh, food for the family, but they are expected to eat after everybody has eaten, right? Oh my God. So, uh, that, that bothers yeah. the life out of me. It really bothers the life out of me. <laughs> yeah, what about their shared experience when they're eating then? One family I know, I really liked it. Indian family, grew up in India. Two sons, I think must have been born in the 60s. The mom would make and feed the kids and then the kids would make rotis and feed them all. My, I have a son and he is very much expected to cook for me. And if I'm in the kitchen and cooking and I know he's not working on something, he's expected to be there with me, cooking with me. And he likes it actually. He's really proud of himself. Like he's made a few meals all by himself recently. And cooking is an essential skill. Everybody should know it. And it's really not that difficult. You know, people are scared about it. So when I grew up in India and I moved to the US, I got married and that's when I moved here at 25. I pretty much didn't know how to make rice. I'd never cooked. I knew how to make chai, but that was about it. But I wanted to eat food, right? So you experiment. And you should be willing to throw out what doesn't taste good or like gulp it down anywhere. And if you have a good palate or if you know what your food should taste like, 
and you keep experimenting, you get there. Or you follow recipes. The whole thing is not to be intimidated. Like, what's the big deal? What's the worst that will happen? You'll have to throw the food out and get takeout. You just try it. And you just get faster and faster with time. It just happens automatically. For my show, my whole idea was people buy the ingredients and play that music and try that food at home with their whole family. So introduce yourself, yourselves and your kids to that food. So I have this concept that you should make kids and for myself, try anything three times before you decide you don't like it. Because what happens in the first time is the taste is very alien in your mouth. You might not like it. And the second time you're like, okay. And the third time you really say, okay, I really don't like it or saying this is not so bad. So I, and my kid knows this concept. He's, if he doesn't like something, he knows he's going to be eating it twice more. It's just all about trying. The world is so much richer and your flavors are so much richer if you actually eat food, like all different types instead of just the five things. And I, I mean, I told you I'm vegetarian and I love being vegetarian. I probably miss out on the food. But for the people who eat meat, try everything. So my kid, I literally make him try anything unusual on the thing. He's tried snail, octopus, like you name it and he's tried it. So let me ask you, in the world of vegetarian food, and you've been traveling quite a bit, have you eaten anything unusual anywhere? So, I mean, one of the things I've eaten, this was near Lake Como in Italy. They had zucchini flowers stuffed with ricotta, dipped in batter and deep fried. That was very tasty. And then, this is way back in 97, the first time I'd left India, gone to Amsterdam. And that's where they had mayo with french fries. Mayo and ketchup and french fries. And that was my first experience. And since then, I way prefer mayo to ketchup. I mean, with vegetarian food, there isn't that much unusual stuff, right? It's just how people prepare it. But like one of my favorite dishes is a Nepali dish, which I, my babysitter here, she was Nepali. She cooked it for me. And it's the easiest dish in the world. And I would never have thought it. So, you know, you take pumpkin leaves and you take ghee, ajwain and pumpkin leaves. And that's it. And it was just like crazy delicious. So it doesn't have to be complicated. It can just be very tasty. Very often, like I like a lot of these bharva things, like people, like, when they stuff different vegetables with stuffing, you have that in Greece, in India, in Mexico. Those flavors are very tasty. And then you, of course, have cheese of all different animals, which I do have. Like you have sheep and cow and camel and... <laughs> Have you faced any problem anywhere because of language while asking for veg food? Yes. But also, actually, we eat in restaurants, right? Who are typically catering a little bit to tourists. So normally, there is a little bit of English. But in Asian countries, I just say Buddhist because then they understand it. And then otherwise, you say no meat, no seafood. Because in the West, for some reason, they consider veg uh, seafood vegetarian. I don't understand that. I thought it's zoology and botany, but it's not. So out in the US, especially you two say, they say, oh, you're vegetarian, there's fish. And I'm like, no, I'm vegetarian without fish. I say, I, I only eat things I study in botany except eggs. <laughs> but you know, end of the day, you always have bread or plain pasta. And I don't get so caught up in the fact that one meal is not so good. As long as overall my experience and seeing a new country and all that is happening, Typically, again, as I said, I try to find good food, but if I don't find good food, any food will do. And you have to have that attitude. Like, especially if you're traveling with kids and all, you will have times when sometimes you're not finding very good food or, you know, you'll run out of something. I don't particularly like the term, but it's like take a chill pill. Just relax. It's okay. What's the worst that can happen? I mean, of course, you can get parasites. Unusual foods. Banaras. You guys know about the foam, the milk foam. I forget the term for it. I'm forgetting the term for it. But funny huh? story. No, chaach is basically dahi, you take dahi and you, you do it. In this, they take... Malai? No, this is foam. 
foam. They take milk, they heat it with sugar, and they agitate it till you get foam. And then they move the foam and they agitate it. And it's just foam. And it's a speciality in Benares. Everybody has it. And we're coming out of this house and I come out fast from this tourist house we're seeing. And there's a ghada lying there, like an earthen pot full of this. And there's some flies around it, sometimes sitting on it. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, I wonder who eats this. And then you have these two locals come by on a scooter, stop and eat it. So I was like, I guess it's locals. Their stomachs are used to it. And this was in 2017, December. So not that long ago. And then my family comes out. And next thing I know is they're standing there and eating it. And I'm like, no, no, there are flies on it. They're like, you've become so American. You need to back off. So I told them, I was like, my kid's not eating it. I'm not eating it. And then my sister from Paris comes and scolds me. And is telling me like, why are you controlling him? Like, let him eat it. And he's crying saying, I want to eat it. I want to eat it. I'm like, okay, fine, eat it. And I refused to eat it. And he was fine. And then he ate, he ate chaat after that. He had lassi after that. And I, I, I felt like I got a lot of FOMO. So then the next day I ate it also. And I was also fine. <laughs> but in India, you have to be careful about, like if your stomach's not used to the street food bacteria. And in other places, you have to think about it. I have a secret tip. There is this one probiotic in India called Interogermina. And somehow, if you take that while you're traveling, your stomach stays okay. So my family travels with that. You only get it in India. It's made in France, but you get it in India. And we travel with that. And the whole family, everybody takes one capsule every day in the morning. And then we eat whatever we want to eat. How's the street food uh, while traveling? Any particular places you remember which really stand out? Or you, you only stay safe and have it at restaurants? No, I have eaten street food, but you don't get too much vegetarian street food typically. So in Colombia, we ate some street food, but it's very difficult to find vegetarian street food. You can get some desserts, which we get, but actually an interesting thing, and this is again from actually IIM days, but talking about street foods, we were in Kovalam, and this is the first time I've eaten it. They had taken ripe bananas, split it, dipped it in batter and deep fried it, and put some spicy like chaat on top. I'd never eaten that. I'd never eaten ripe banana other than just as a banana, like as a like pakoda. It was very tasty. That's one of my favorites. It's called Param Puri. I don't know. Param Puri. Param means banana and Puri means fried. So tasty, right? I remember it was like <laughs> it. in Kovalam. So appam, Sri Lankan food was actually very tasty too. Very tasty. And it's actually same spices as India. Totally different taste. Appam, avial, the... Dal, the coconut dal that they make, very tasty. Hey, the cuisine is similar to Kerala, I guess. A lot of coconut oil they use. Sri Lankans? Yes. Hmm. So that's my tip for South Indian food, is use coconut oil for cooking. Your dosa or whatever. Ghee tastes good, but coconut oil gives that the other flavor. It is different. It is similar, but I think now they sort of merged. Is there any appam in Kerala food? Yeah, yeah very much. It's called uh, pal appam. And then, you no know, Christian community in India, uh, my friends, you know, they are Christian. So what they do yeah. is in this appam, they uh, put toddy. Yeah. Toddy. Yeah. And then they cook it. It's amazing. Actually, typically in Sri Lanka, they would make the appam with beer. So you need a yeast. So you either need yeast. I've made appam. I did a Sri Lanka episode. You either do yeast or you do beer. Because beer has a fermentation and you leave it overnight. And actually, they put egg in it too. So like when I was making for my dad, he doesn't eat egg. So I made it without egg. But it does taste better with egg. It gives it that little fluff. Actually, appam is there in Tamil Nadu, in Karnataka also. It's there, Kerala. There's a really good Sri Lankan restaurant in the village in New York. So every time we go to New York, we like go and eat there. And I'm forgetting the name. There's this chain of South Indian places, which is there in Paris and New York. It'll come back to me. 
population there they moved in the 60s and 70s because you know that was a time you know the oppression started happening from sinhalese uh, yep. in sri lanka in, in the island right and that entire tamil population quite a bit of them they moved lock stock and barrel to europe and many of them settled in paris here and so they carried the recipes with them of the original how it was made and the masalas were also very authentic they used to make it on their rather than buy it like mdh the packet yeah. of masalas and all that so it was really truly authentic how that biryani was made yeah. and how it's made in you know shit that that was an amazing story and amazing next time you go there we should have that so amazing bengali food on the other hand so last week i discovered a bengali woman who cooks here and i called her up and i got so excited and then i was i speak a little bengali so i was ordering all this bengali food in bengali and then it was actually very tasty so it was very good my family came from calcutta so there's been very heavily influence of bengali food and what about the caribbeans uh, binakshi caribbean islands so different i've been to a lot of caribbean islands i've been to and this is like you to sing it in your head like tom cruise cocktail bermuda bahama jamaica puerto rico aruba panama is like around there I don't know if I'm missing any, but the food is very fish heavy. So the food's been less than exciting in all these places. There's something called jerk sauce in Jamaica, but it was okay to be honest. I didn't love it. It was like cumin, and it was okay. So in all of these, also these are beach holidays, so you're staying in pretty much chain hotels. So you're just eat, eating chain food. So Minakshi, tell us more about your travels. I believe that you have done quite a few driving trips. So my first driving trip in which I was driving was in I think 90 in 2001 in Europe. So we did the whole Black Forest region in Germany and France. We were driving around there. It was me, my mom, two of my sisters and one of my mom one of my sister's friends. It was just five women and we didn't even have reservations everywhere we went. We just went off and my mom was slightly more particular than the rest of us for vegetarian food. She didn't eat egg either. So we would find but again she was non fussy as long as she got something to eat it was fine and then we went i'm forgetting the name of the place it's tipping my mind but the place where the cuckoo clock was invented heidelberg it was a very nice trip so i've driven over a thousand miles in seven or eight countries and when i drive in any country i really feel like i'm part of it you pay more attention you pay attention to the roads you pay attention to traffic people you just notice more things than when you're just sitting in a car 
and you get the best view when you're driving. <laughs> Otherwise, when you're sitting in a car, you could be in the middle and all that, also in the back seat. But I like driving, and I'm very comfortable with stick shift. And like in Croatia, Bulgaria, and Italy, sometimes you were in the hills. Like in Sicily, you were literally like I kept expecting the Godfather people to pop out, but those roads were the same. Like you know, in Godfather Two, when he's in Sicily and they're doing all that. It was the same kind of scenery and roads, so that was kind of exciting for me because that's one of my favorite movies. And then I've driven in Mexico. Mexico was very nice. And what all activities you love to do while traveling? So I didn't mention this, but I'm really into adventure sports. So I've done a lot of adventure sports in all my travels. First time in '97 when I'd gone to Amsterdam for the first time, I tried bungee jumping, and it was really scary because it was this small platform off the coast pulled up by a crane. So you literally had nothing around you, and it was seventy-five meters, two hundred and twenty-five feet, and you got to jump off and take a dip in the sea. It was just mind-blowing. It was like I was so excited. It was like so exciting. So I've always been into rock climbing and hiking and all that, and loved heights. So this was a lot of fun. And then the latest thing I tried was in Goa, something called flyboarding. So you basically stand on something like a snowboard, like uh, snowboarding. Except it's got jet, and you're sort of flying around like Iron Man. Except I was more like Spider Man, held by octo octopus, which is going. I was falling flat, 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 flat. Then I did a little Iron Man after that. And what else? A lot of rappling, hiking, rafting, skydiving also. And I've tried flying planes and helicopters, but really? I haven't been in a hot air balloon. That's a big I want to do. And hopefully this summer I'll get to travel. I'm hoping I can go to Europe this summer. Let's see. And scuba diving is a new thing. I'm almost certified, so I'm hoping to scuba dive this summer. Even does a lot of scuba diving. I know. See the photos. <laughs> <laughs> it looks really exciting. Oh yeah, it is. It is amazing. I've dived in Zanzibar after I climbed Kilimanjaro. It's an amazing spot there. Amazing My sister's beaches. dived there too. Yeah, it's amazing white beaches. Yeah. I've been to Kenya and Tanzania, but I didn't get to go to Zanzibar. And I had wanted to hike the Kilimanjaro with you guys, but it'll happen sometime. Hopefully, sometime soon. So, Minachi, where next? I'm sure there will be a huge list. Uh, you know, a lot of places uh, you want to go. You want to travel with your son or with your so, friends or with your family. So, what are the top ones? You know, where you want to go so, next after this pandemic is over. So, what was really really sad was last April I had. A trip booked with tickets and hotels and everything for Cuba and Cayman. I was so excited for that, and that was just going to be like a girls' trip, like me, one sister, and a couple of friends. And I was so excited for that, and that cancelled. So that's top list for me right now. But realistically, I'm actually going to probably going to. I'm going to Europe in August, and we might be doing something exciting. We might be hiring a boat and island hopping in Greece. Who knows whether it will pan out. You know, right now it is uh, man proposes, God disposes. So I, for the whole year till two weeks ago, I pretty much just stayed at home and went out for walks and did not socialize. And I was like that extra careful person who wasn't going inside people's houses and being super careful. But now that I'm fully vaccinated and my child is also fully vaccinated, so I'm hoping we can open up a bit more and travel. But came in Cuba and. Anywhere, you know, I don't personally mind repeating countries. Also, it's not all about new countries for me because sometimes you just haven't been to a certain part of a country, and you don't. It's a very different experience when you go to a new place. Like I've been to Italy so many times, but I haven't been to the Malfi Coast. So that's what's next for me, hopefully. And I want to do the Kilimanjaro hike. I really want to do the Kilimanjaro hike. 
which I know you have to train for. Oh, and yeah, I'm going okay. to Florida. I have two sets of tickets right now in my hand, and I can't believe it. Like, I can't believe that's actually happening. I'm also going to Florida for a weekend, but that's for dance. I wanted to ask you. Um, so you are a ceramic artist, and you are studying films right now, right? So, Tell us a bit about okay. that. So I, my official education has been in first undergrad in economics and then an MBA, and then I worked in marketing and finance for a long time. Then I started doing the cooking show, and then I've always done ceramics since I was a kid. But I became more serious about it, and for three or four years that was my focus. And I have a website for it, and I make and sell art. But recently, I got the opportunity to write and direct a play, and I loved it. And I've always written, like I have a blog, and I've always written. And then I got really into, and the actors wanted to work with me, so I made three short movies. And I realized that this is pretty much what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I've applied, and I've been accepted into a fairly decent program in Emerson to do a master's in film. So that's actually starting end August. So that's going to be like the next three years of my life. is learning how to make movies and making movies and that's what i plan to do and it's actually really great with travel because i could make movies anywhere i want to travel like wherever i'm traveling i can make movies there they could just be short movies wherever i go which i plan to do i'm going to have some sort of narrative and some story in every place i go great any tips and advice for travelers and especially who are vegetarian yes carry bhujia if you're indian if not carry some non spoilable snack with you carry a little spice if you are very particular about spice it doesn't take up much space just have some and other than that just chill if you eat bad food or not tasty food you'll get bread everywhere you'll get pasta everywhere you'll get rice everywhere if you're eating bland food for a week 10 days it's not the biggest deal but don't and if your child eats that it's not a big deal but just go travel wherever you can whenever you can drive down somewhere take a train take a plane like go wherever you can when you meet more people see more experiences everything is more fun like life is more fun and more it just opens your eyes and it's become very cliched about broadening your horizon and all that but it does broaden your horizons you just look at everything differently and you realize people are the same everywhere there's no good country bad country people are basically the same and it's fun and it's just very exciting to see new things and new places and try new things and it's a best gift you can give your child the idea of like exploring traveling and being easy going not taking stress don't be stressed just just chill it's okay whatever happens happens think of it as an adventure one time i was driving somewhere and the battery died out it's okay we didn't miss a flight one time i missed a flight somewhere you handle it, it it's okay later on they make the better stories if something interesting happens of course try not to get killed or do some something alone but other than that yeah that's so well said i um, spoken like a a veteran traveler somebody who's been there and was willing to go which uh, wish we hope that you would be able to do that and uh, thank you again binakshi coming here and talking with us about your experiences it was amazing super fun it was thank you so much Thank you guys. I mean, it's Thank such a pleasure and honor to be like interviewed. I didn't think it was so exciting, like what I've done. But and I hope you guys stay safe. Your family stay safe, and you guys get to travel soon. I mean, your company was amazing. I'm hoping that you can start doing stuff again soon. And I will definitely be going for some hike with you guys. I've been wanting to do Kilimanjaro, and hopefully, I'll be able to. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening into another episode of the Rustic Travel Podcast. Hope you liked it. 
please do send us your feedback so that we could improve with each episode to get updated on future episodes of the show you could visit our website rustedtravel.com forward slash podcast and subscribe to any of the podcasting apps as mentioned there you could also follow rustic travel on facebook instagram and twitter to know about the new episodes or shows till then do subscribe and listen in